Hello and welcome to Calling All Cars from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Los Angeles Police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 109. Be on the lookout for Jules Rubin, described as white American, age 26 years, 168 pounds. This man is suspected of stealing a valuable diamond brooch from Polly Moran, the moving picture actor. That's all. Say, who's putting on this program? Santa Claus. Who? Santa Claus, better known as the Rio Grande Oil Company. How come? What do you mean? Well, Santa Claus is always giving something to somebody, and it seems to me the Rio Grande Oil Company plays Santa Claus the year off. For example? Well, Rio Grande gives the public this Calling All Cars program free. So what? And they give away a free publication every month, the Calling All Cars News, to anyone who comes into a Rio Grande station. And they're giving away junior detective outfits free to thousands of boys and girls. Give me more. And Rio Grande G-Gas gives the motorists the first guaranteed quality gasoline in the low-price market. Now, no, I know the rest. Don't tell me. And Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline gives more power, more speed. And it gives more economical miles. Don't forget that. I wasn't going to forget it. I was going to say it. And also that Rio Grande Cracked is the only gasoline that gives you police car performance. Hey, wait a minute. Who's giving this announcement? You or I? Rio Grande gives gasoline the most elaborate and most costly refining process known to create cracked gasoline. Yet, it gives the extra benefits of this extra costly process to the motorist at no extra cost. And there's one more thing that you've given us, Santa Claus. Yes, what's that? A sales truck. And now it is our pleasure to present Chief James E. Davis of the Los Angeles Police Department, Chief Davis. Good evening, friends. The cooperation of law enforcement agencies, be they municipal, county, state, or national, is a vital necessity in our battle against crime. If every group of authorities seek only to cover themselves with glory and refuse to cooperate with other groups, then the criminal has a distinct advantage at every turn. The brilliant success of the Department of Justice G-Men in their spectacular battle against crime was helped at every turn of their work by the wholehearted cooperation of local authorities all over the country. Individuals in county and city who have faced their own desire for fame and publicity in their desire to see the criminal brought to justice. It is this sort of cooperation that your police department seeks to give. The story you are about to hear is an example of such tactics. Although the men under my command played a vital part in the capture of the Polly Moran jewel thief, still their part was only one of the cogs in the vast law enforcement machine which, when it functions as smoothly as it did in this case, is tantamount to a federal police force. Thank you, Chief Davis. Ladies and gentlemen, calling all cars is proud to present tonight Miss Polly Moran, who we are 
was the exciting predicament in which she found herself when she was robbed en route to Hawaii two years ago. Calling All Cars presents the Polly Moran Jewel Robbery. Miss Moran retires to her cabin and lies down for a nap. 
leaving the door unlocked so her husband can get in without awakening her. Sometime later, she wakens from a deep sleep with the realization that she is not alone in the cabin. Silhouetted against the blue tropical night seen through the open porthole is the figure of a man. Who's there? Who do you want? Oh, I, I'm sorry. See, uh, I got into the wrong stateroom. Yeah, my, my wife told me not to take that last side car. Well, you'd better listen to it the next time. Yeah, I'm, I'm awfully sorry. Oh, that, that's all right, but if you don't mind, I'd like to get back to sleep. Well, sure, sure. Sorry to have troubled you. And a little while later, Martin Malone comes down to the street room to dress. He awakens Miss Moran and they speedily make preparations for the captain's dinner. As they are about to leave the room, Miss Moran, putting the last finishing touches to her makeup, turns to her husband. Marty, hand me my pin, will you? Yeah, sure. Where is it? In the upper right-hand drawer of that dressing table. Okay. <laughs> I can't find that thing. Are you sure you left it here? I certainly am. Oh, it certainly isn't here. What? Let me see. Marty, I remember now. He must have stolen it. Who must have stolen it? While I was taking a nap, somebody came in here. I woke up and he found a drum and said he'd gotten into the wrong stateroom by mistake. Who was it? I don't know. Oh, what did he look like? I don't know that either. It was dark in here. Oh, why didn't I turn on the light? Oh, Marty, I bet that man's got my pen. Oh, wait a minute. Don't get so excited. It isn't lost. Probably you didn't put it in that drawer. Oh, yes, I did. I remember perfectly. I'll never forgive myself. That pen meant so much to me. It's the sentiment more than the value. Oh, Marty, this is terrible. My trip's ruined. Miss Moran and her husband immediately report the best of the ship's officers, who promise their wholehearted cooperation in capturing the thief. In the first officer's cabin, Miss Moran and her husband are questioned. Now, Miss Moran... Do either you or Mr. Malone suspect anyone of picking up him? Well, no, I can't imagine who would do it. Certainly nobody here acquainted with on board. Hey, Polly, how about that big fat guy from Pittsburgh who's always shooting off his face? I wouldn't put anything past him. I always have felt he was a phony. Maybe he's a phony, Mark, but I don't think he's a sneak thief. Well, he doesn't look to me as though he belongs on a cruise like this. Oh, I don't think he'd shoot that low. Well, I'll be darned if I know who to suspect. Unless... Say, Polly, remember that bird who tried to crash all our parties? Oh, yes. You mean Mr. Rubin, the one who gets so rough in the desk for him. Yeah, that's the bird. Uh, what did you say his name is? Rubin's the only name I know him by. Uh, let me look at the passenger list. Mm. Yes, there he is. Rubin. Jules Rubin. I wouldn't be surprised if... Uh... Come in. Oh, hello, Mr. Mason. Oh, hello, Miss. I heard about your pen being stolen, Polly. That's darn tough luck. Yeah. I have an idea I can identify the thief. You you have? Yes. As I was coming down the companionway this evening, about six o'clock, I saw a man come out of your stateroom. What did he look like? Well, I, I didn't see his face. His back was turned toward me, but he's short and heavy set. That's the very man we've been talking about. I'm sure he's sick of We've got to get him arrested as soon as we get into Honolulu, Marty. Now, not so fast, Polly. If we're wrong, we can get into a nasty damage suit for false arrest. But I'm sure we're not wrong. I'm positive he's the thief. Mm. 
over his loud and futile protest, Reuben's baggage is searched. While he threatens the steamship line with devastating lawsuits, every possible hiding place in his cabin is examined. But Miss Moran's skin is not found.
Now, how about it? We have to handcuff you and drag you in? Now, take your hands off me, copper. I'll go along with you, all right. Reuben is escorted bag and baggage to City Hall. And while his luggage is being thoroughly searched, Captain Trainer and the arresting officers question him in the car. But Reuben took to his story. Now, listen, boys, I'm getting sick and tired of this persecution. I don't know anything about that sin upon my land, and she knows I don't. Why, she apologized to me for accusing me before I left the island. How come you left so suddenly? On a provocation I'd had there. Everybody in Hawaii was pointing at me and saying I'd swipe the diamond pin. There was no sense in trying to enjoy myself in that atmosphere. What do you find in this bag, Justin? Nothing much. Clothes, traveler's checks, but no diamond pin. What'd they tell you? Have you ever been arrested before? No, never. Well, then naturally, you won't object to being fingerprinted. I should say I will. You can't treat me like a common criminal. Fingerprints are a good thing, Mr. Rubin. You see, we'll just take a set of elimination prints and prove to ourselves that you've never been arrested before. That is, if you're telling the truth. I'm telling the truth, and I refuse to be fingerprinted. I demand to see an attorney. You're in a funny spot to be demanding things, Rubin. Now, you'll save us all a lot of trouble and excitement by coming into the next room with me until I fingerprint you, because whether you like it or not, that's exactly what I intend to do. Over Reuben's loud protest, he is indeed fingerprinted. And within half an hour, the records are checked. I tell you, Captain, you're hunting for a lot of trouble. When I get out of this, I'm going to burn you right. I'll slap a suit on you for false arrest at the same time that I shoot Polly Moran for defamation of character. I'm a respectable salesman, and I've never been mixed up in any crooked work. We'll see. We'll see. Here you are, Captain. I just finished making a check. Oh, uh, let's see. Well, ah, well, so you've never been in trouble before, huh, Reuben? According to these cards, you were arrested in 1923 for suspicion of robbery. How about that? Well, it was suspicion. They didn't prove nothing. I was just a punk kid, and I thought it would be smart to steal a same point. But I give it back, and she didn't prosecute there's nothing to that, Chief. Oh? Well, how about the time in 1927 when you were accused of stealing an automobile in Newark, New Jersey? That was all a mistake. Oh, a mistake. What do you mean? To steal the car? How much time did you say? Not a day. I tell you, it was a mistake. Why don't you come clean and tell us where Polly Moran's kin is? She's a good friend of our department, and we want to get her kin back to her now. How about it? Hey, I have my Polly Moran myself. I got to know her pretty well on that trip to Honolulu. If I had a pin, I'd give it back to you. But I ain't got it, and I don't know where it is. Reuben, you're lying. Now, you listen to me, Captain. I know a thing or two about the law myself. You had your fun questioning me. You dug up a couple of charges against me ten years ago. But you can't prove I ever served at this time. You've searched me, and you haven't found a pin. You haven't got a single piece of evidence against me, and you can't hold me on suspicion any longer. You've got to prove my guilt, and you haven't proved a thing. I'm going to walk through that door out of this joint of free man, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. Am I right? I'm afraid you are, Ruben. Ruben was right, and the officer knew it. Convinced, though he might be of Ruben's guilt, he could not hold him without evidence, and of evidence he had none. So Ruben goes free. But even as he is rolling in a transcontinental train, the net of the law is slowly closing in on him. Next morning, a New York City detective named Wesley Cooper points out an interesting news item to his partner, Detective Edward Elbacher, as the report for duty. Eddie, take a look at this story in this morning.
morning's paper. What? Oh, this one here about Polly Moran having a diamond pin stolen from her on the steamship Aloha? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I read it. What about it? Do you suppose that this guy the Los Angeles dicks had to let go is the bug we've been looking for for those steamship burglars the past few months? Oh, they likely that the guy who worked the Atlantic in the Pacific. Well, I think it's worth a try. What are you going to do? Check those steamship lines of reported robberies and see if the name Jules Rubin appears on the passenger list. Inquiry informs the officers that the name Jules Rubin has appeared on six different passenger lists during the preceding three months. And on every boat on which Rubin has sailed, burglaries have occurred. Suspicions definitely aroused, Air Bottle and Jubilee request all steamship companies operating on the West Coast, the East Coast, and the Great Lakes to report if one Jules Rubin booked passage on any one of their boats. They have not long to wait, for within a week the phone rains on Jubilee's desk. That's the bureau. Rubik speaking. Yes, 
that time? That is a tested for the benefit of those that is retired. Oh, I care for the time. I've been robbed. You've been robbed? I've been robbed. Somebody just reached in between the pages of my book and looked at my watch and pocketbook. Call the conductor at Long Island. In Chicago, when Jules Rubin changes trains and boards the 20th Century Limited for New York, every move he makes is watched by railroad and city police. Thank you. 
on his hitherto successful career of crime, makes a six-page confession of his treasury, admitting to the theft of nearly a hundred thousand dollars worth of property, on which he had realized little more than ten percent in cash. While Reuben remains in the federal detention prison awaiting trial, Detective Airbacher journeys west to recover some of the stolen property, among which is Miss Moran's throat. Finally, one day in November 1934, three months after Polly Moran's lucky throat disappeared, Detective Airbacher handed back to her in her dressing room in the Capitol Theater in New York while she is making personal appearance. I don't know what to say to you, Lieutenant Airbacher. Really, I don't know how to thank you. No need to, Miss Moran. This is part of our job. Very happy part, I admit. And we can return to people with things they've lost. Well, there's only one thing I have to say, Marty. Yeah, what is it, Chris? I'm sorry I ever apologized to that guy, Reuben. I knew he had my pin all the time. <laughs> went on trial in the United States court, as most of his crimes were committed upon the high seas. And on October 8, 1934, he was sentenced to serve two years on the charge of theft committed on an interstate passenger train. An additional two-year suspended sentence was imposed for the theft of Miss Moran's boat while on board the Honolulu bound steamer. Thank you, Chief Davis. This was one calling all cars program without shots and screams and sirens and speeding police cars. But there are very few communities where you cannot hear right now the shriek of the sirens as ambulances and fire engines speed to the rescue, or police cars to see some lawbreaker. More of these cars are using Rio Grande cracked gasoline than any other brand. And Rio Grande was chosen because it gives better performance in emergency. For you thousands of motorists who now have your tanks full of Rio Grande cracked gasoline, police car performance means safer driving. You always have the power and speed to snatch your car out of danger in traffic emergency. Drive carefully so you won't need the help of police, but can enjoy police car performance in your own car.